This is yeah. for bi-week, bi-week issues. issues. We're no. talking about stashes. It's a whole different column I'm going to write for you. Because yes. all I'm going to do is talk about Matt Breida. It's going to be a <laughs> poem to Matt Breida and to get people to own him. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter, at Nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host, Mr. Neil Smith, at Nonsense underscore Neil, or either one of us, at Important Nonsense, all one word on the Fantasy Life app. It is the most convenient, easiest way to find all of us. It has become my new addiction, Neil, going on that Fantasy Life app, giving people advice. So I am doing at least one Q&A a week. Uh, This week, I've already done two just because of all the nonsense going on out there. So uh, appreciate all the feedback on there and all the comments. And uh, it, it, like I said, it's the easiest way to get I told you that would become your new crack anything. addiction. So, that yeah, summoner's it's, war. Right, it's got, it, I got that itch to that fantasy life. But it is super convenient. And we in no way are affiliated with the Fantasy Life app, by the way. But if you don't have it, pick it up if you're a fantasy football player. If you're listening to this, it is a perfect, yeah. perfect app to You'll... throw on your phone. We're because no it gives you the updates. It's, it, it's it beautiful. Gives, yeah. Just take it. It's free. Sign up. Yeah. You'll love it. It, it gives you uh, updates. I've been getting like the trades, the Zeke news, like all that information that I get. I get it first from the Fantasy Life app, and then I'll see it on Twitter, and then I'll get it from like the NFL app, and then finally last, I'll get it from the ESPN Fantasy app because that's kind of how that works. But, yeah, you'll get all that information rolling in quickly. They're always the first to break the stories. It's a great community of fantasy football players. And, and, and hey, if you're looking for, you know, advice, like I said, perfect place to find us or anybody else to just post a poll and get information out there. It, it's a great community to be a part of, and we're happy to be a part of it. But ton of stuff to get to. Crazy weekend, to say the very least. And... I mean, the story of the weekend, in my mind, Neil, was, of course, the Browns being the Browns, because they they can't find a way to get out of their own way. No. It's their favorite thing to do. Is this to story the is perfectly in the important nonsense wheelhouse. <laughs> it is exactly. exactly what we're here for, people. This, this is All it. All off-season, they were trying to get Jimmy Garoppolo. And then, as we'll get to later, Garoppolo moves, and it's not to the Browns. Then they've got the number 12 pick for Deshaun Watson, and they trade it away because they like Kaiser better, and now that hasn't worked out. Cody Kessler was their no. most competent quarterback last season, and he disappeared. Remember the hashtag, where's Cody Kessler? No, we were talking about we, they had to get milk Find cartons Cody out. Kessler. They got to get milk yeah. cartons, he and was then he missing did actually play. Pre-season. Well, he did play, and then kind of validated them slightly by how poor uh-huh. he played. But that, you know, but there you go. I mean, the Just whole the inconsistency thing, and the car wash, and then it's brutal. Apparently, according to multiple reports, they had a trade in place with their division rival Cincinnati Bengals to give them their a two and a three in next year's draft for AJ McCarron. Which the Bengals sent in the paperwork to the league office at 3:55, which is five minutes before the trade deadline hit on Tuesday. And the Browns apparently never sent in their paperwork. And there have been multiple reports about it contradicting each other. One report was saying that they were celebrating the deal, basically, and nobody turned in the paperwork in time. But it is a great story. Yeah, and then uh, the other one was they couldn't get everybody on the same page on time because they waited too long to try and start talking about the deal. 
That's the real one. And the paperwork got turned in, but it was turned in too late, and the league rejected the paperwork. There was also another report that they never actually turned it in. They just knew it was too late and didn't turn it in. Regardless, it just shows, first of all, their lack of confidence in their own decision-making and Deshaun Kaiser. shows their lack of organization in their quote-unquote organization. And it just shows you that whenever anybody wants to try to out-brown the Browns, you you, you don't mess with the originator of that. Oh, right? no. It's the Brownsiest. together. <laughs> it's the Brownsiest thing that's ever Browns. It's, it, because it even goes deeper than that. I mean, if you go further into it, you also realize that there are reports now that, and this has been confirmed by multiple people, that the coaching staff, Hugh Jackson and his staff, are furious at Sashi Brown and the front office staff. Because apparently, they've been leaving every day at five o'clock and they continued that on the day of the trade deadline which is how this apparently all kind of happened sashi brown and everybody else just peaced out before the deal was actually done and assumed that it was just going to get handled and then somebody missed an email paperwork got submitted late and it never gets done which in a weird way prevents the browns from like way overpaying for aj mccarron because a two and a three a two and a three. Jimmy Garoppolo, they decided, was ultimately worth a two. And A.J. Yeah. McCarron is a two and a three? What? And the reason, by the way, that they it was a two and a three, the difference is the contracts. That's the difference there. Oh, okay. Because McCarron is a restricted free agent, where Garoppolo is just a regular unrestricted free agent. If you want to keep him, you have to put the franchise on him. Right, right. Whereas McCarron is restricted, he can only negotiate with you for the next year. So... Slightly more control is why you pay slightly more. But still, more. You, slightly more is a three. Okay. So I mean, yeah. but still, you, you. Hey, you know, we've been we've been talking about this since the draft show, which was why do you go for Deshaun Kaiser in the second round, a guy that his own coach at Notre Dame even came out publicly and said, yeah, he should have stayed for another year. They don't do that in college. They back their guy because it makes them. And look not foolish. only that. He comes out and looks all right in the preseason, and we and we're, everyone's saying, "All right, well, will you play Osweiler or you play Kessler, and you let him sit for a year and develop because he's not ready, and yeah. you throw him out there week one." No, and then they bench him, so now you just shatter his confidence because it's like, "Okay, kid, here's the keys to the car," and then he kind of wrecks it a little bit, and you're like, "Oh no!" And you freak out, and it's like, "Where were you going anyway?" You, oh, so Kevin Hogan is better. Forth, yeah. So Kevin Hogan is now suddenly better. Right. Okay, cool. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And on top of all of that, just keep in mind that uh, this weekend they'll be paying $900,000 for Brock Osweiler to play for the Broncos. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Oh, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Read all about it. And stats. You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Unbelievable amount of news that came out of this weekend, so we got to get right into it and fly through it all as quickly as possible. 
First and foremost, of course, the Zeke suspension, the on-again, off-again relationship, hopefully is finally done. I, I hope that this appeal fails simply so it's just over with. Everybody it, it wants to be It looks like it's finally going to happen. The, uh, the suspension was finally upheld on Monday by the court. The judge says he's got to serve his suspension. They appealed that on Tuesday. That also was denied. So now they're just trying to do one final, like, halt injunction that's probably not going to get done at the very least this week and maybe next week but just let it happen just be done with it so as of now suspension is on he's out the next six games which means he would be back week 15 for the final three weeks of the nfl regular season potentially depending on how your structure is the last two or three weeks of the fantasy playoffs Morris has been taking the first team reps in the first practice today. Jerry Jones also came out and said he is the starter. Look, I still believe personally that McFadden is the guy that I would rather have. If both are gone and you need a flyer, Rod Smith is interesting just because he's got upside, whereas we kind of already know what DMC and Morris are. Reports were they were talking or they were taking calls about getting a new running back yesterday before the deadline as well, though. So just because Morris currently has the keys to the backfield does not ensure that he is the starter by any stretch of the imagination. So there's no guarantee that he has any kind of run there. Just take it with a grain of salt until you see it on the field. Remember the story of Cameron Artis Payne. Yep, that's all you really need to know. It's what we've been saying over and over again, is that McFadden has been inactive because he's too similar to Zeke. So if Zeke is out uh, you gotta go mcfadden do you still still believe in that that's what i'm going with until i see a game the problem with this whole situation is that it just muddies it so much when they're coming out and saying hey we're gonna give morris a shot the problem Mm -hmm. then becomes okay well you're giving alfred morris a shot well we've seen what that looks like it's either really good or really bad and if it's really bad i believe mcfadden is exactly so if it's really bad especially if it's really bad quickly well, they're not going to stick around with it. I mean, they're just going to keep – they're going to roll the hot hand. That's what they're going to do. And, look, maybe if I had to put it this way, I'll put it to you this way because we're going to talk about this later in the bye week issue section. It might be Morris for this week, but if I'm making decisions, it's probably McFadden for, for the rest of the year or for the duration of the suspension, if you will. Meanwhile, Osweiler named the new starter in Denver after they finally had enough of Trevor Simeon turning the ball over to the other team. I'd say it can't be worse than what we've seen from Trevin Simeon, but you know what? I've said that before about Brock Osweiler being a quarterback, so I would temper expectations for uh, for the whole offense, really. But, again, given what you've already had to deal with for Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, if it all goes sideways on Osweiler here. Is there any doubt they just go right back to Simeon? Yes. There's and 100%. then you're right back where they were? No, there's 100% doubt on that. So I'll give you what's actually going to happen on that. Sure. So they've okay, actually good. kind of talked about that in the local media a lot. And so here's what you got to worry about. If Brock comes in and it looks like he's at Trevor Simeon level, you're probably going to see Brock for three games here. And it might be four if he plays okay. Now, if they're in a position where they look like they're going to be winning with Brock Osweiler a little bit, then they'll just roll Brock Osweiler. That's what's going to happen. Frankly, they're not afraid of that because they know that Osweiler can run their offense. It was only two years ago he did it a little bit. So I think that's their hope is that they can catch lightning in a bottle a little bit, maybe get really lucky. Now, what they've also said is, though, that they're not – 
you know, they're going to play Paxton Lynch. It's just that Paxton Lynch isn't healthy right now. So there's a chance that if Brock Osweiler completely fails here and we see Trevor Simeon 2.0, they ain't going back to Simeon. They're going to go to Paxton Lynch, and they're going to try and change the offense to be a zone read Mike McCoy special bubble screen nightmare (laughs) Tim Tebow looking offense because that's what Paxton Uh Lynch knows how to do. So you say it can't get worse, and I'm here to tell you it absolutely can get worse. It 100% can get worse. So right now what I'm doing is we do nothing with the Broncos skill position players because in all likelihood it should just be sample A and sample B of garbage. And so you just kind of roll with what you've been rolling with. I'm not upticking anybody. I'm also not tanking anybody out. Because who are you going to tank out? Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders, the only two people with any value left anyway by the time the wrecking crew was done. So you can't downgrade them any lower than I feel like they already are. Brock should be able to do Trevor Simeon things, if not slightly better than that, one would hope, right? Get it to two right, turnovers. So what you're saying game. is if he's on par with Simeon or even worse, they're just going to keep riding it until Lynch is back. And then they're going to put they're Lynch in, and then, and then you do downgrade everybody. Because okay. I've seen that movie. It's awful. Sure. He cannot run a traditional offense whatsoever. And if they're going to try and ask him to do that, it's going to be a train wreck. Meanwhile... All right, Josh Gordon reinstated by the NFL today on a conditional basis. Uh, he's rejoined the team, but he cannot practice until November 20th, and he can't play until the 27th of November. So he'd be eligible for weeks 13 through 17, assuming he stays sober and you know completes all the conditions of the behind-doors tests and everything he has to go through. So with their QB issues, this would be a good dynasty stash in my eyes uh, and nothing more, really, because, look, this year I don't think you're going to get much out of him because even if he does come in with Deshaun Kaiser or Cody Kessler or Kevin Hogan throwing him the football, do you really want that? I Probably not. And it would be during the playoffs, so are you really going to run him out there as a playoff team relying on that? I wouldn't. So if you've got an open roster spot, you're in a dynasty league, it's an interesting stash for next year. Again, maybe he gets an offseason trade and goes to a real team, or maybe they sign a QB or draft a good QB next year, and that could help his out, help out his value, and you've got him on your bench in a dynasty league at a, uh, at a discount. Or maybe but, it's him and Corey Coleman, which if Corey Coleman was ever going to play more than three games a year... Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's a decent one-two punch if they're on the field. That's been the question with both of them, though. So, yeah, this season I just don't see a value in picking him up like I saw people flocking to the waiver wire to do today. They do that every year. This happens. Yeah. He's a, I agree with you. He's a dynasty stash, or if you are desperate in a keeper league for something you can keep for free, basically, off your waiver wire, sure. Meanwhile... All right, trade deadline. There was a lot to get to this week. I mean, look, typically the trade deadline in the NFL is boring. Yeah, Nothing normally this is just deadline. like a, a, a write-off, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, we're done. This was kind of crazy. Uh, first up, Jimmy G heading over to San Francisco. Garoppolo gets his team. There was talks that they were trying to extend him to be a, you know the long-term replacement for Tom Brady down the line. There was also a report out that Brady had some fear that with his contract coming up at the end of the year, they were going to pay Garoppolo all this money to stay on and be the starting quarterback and that they might actually trade Tom Brady to play the last couple seasons of his career somewhere else. 
and apparently Robert Kraft stepped in and said, there's no way we're doing that, and I'll prove it, and traded Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> for whatever he could get. So that's a, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. I don't know if that's going to pay off for him in the long run, but nonetheless, he is now a San Francisco 49er. He will not be starting this week, obviously just joining the team, still has to learn the playbook and all that. We'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see when he can actually get on the field. There was a report out today that it's possible he doesn't even play this year. He just sits out, learns the offense from Shanahan in the background. They want to see what Bethard can do, and there's no sense in rushing Garoppolo out there right now if you don't really have to rush him out there. If he's going to be your franchise quarterback and you're going to pay him to be there, then, uh, yeah, you, you kind of don't want to rush that too quickly. You certainly want to know what you've got, right? But at the same time, there's no sense in running him out there and getting him hurt or something going into a contract negotiation with him. Considering they're 0-8, there is a certain right. logic to that idea. Yeah. So Cousins' offseason now gets interesting. It was kind of a foregone conclusion, as we have joked about several times yeah. on here, that Kirk Cousins was just going to head over to San Francisco. It was the you worst. Like that? You like that? But the worst kept not secret anymore. in the league. So now, I mean... Other teams on the table, the Browns, they have a ton of money still. Why would if you you're him, you probably don't want to do that. But, I mean, hey, if you've got Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon, you have an established running back in Crowell with the pass catcher in Duke Johnson. They've already shored up the offensive line. Theoretically, it's a better situation than what he's got with the Washington offense right now. It just, it's just a question. And if they're going to pay him a boatload of money to play there for a long time, sure. then... I mean, it, money that's talks. why they make the list is strictly the money. No other real yeah. reasons. Well, and then you've got Denver. Denver would just have to find the money, as you've been telling. Denver has I don't the know. issue with the money, but if you could put him in there, there's a chance that with what they have and with what they'll probably reap in the draft from being bad, <laughs> they'll uh, they could be ready to go. And as we know, Denver can't draft QBs; they can only acquire them through free agency. And when they do that, they win Super Bowls. Vikings as well. They don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be. Bridgewater coming back soon. Case uh, Case Keenum's been good, but are you going to rely on that for the future? Yeah. Sam Bradford's probably done there at this point. He's been Wally Pipped. So, I, I mean, if with that defense and those skill position players, if you could get solid quarterback play, they'd be a legitimate contender. Uh, and then, of course, the aging wide res- or uh, aging quarterbacks. Do you replace Phil Rivers in L.A.? Eli Manning in New York, Drew Brees in New Orleans. They have to find an heir apparent to those guys somewhere, all on the verge of retirement. So he could certainly step in and be a replacement to any of those. And then, of course, could just stay in Washington is the uh, the last one if they can finally decide how much they want to pay him. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting. It kind of twists what was already a foregone conclusion into uh, an actual story again. Yeah, it's going to be the main story of the offseason for a while, I bet. Meanwhile, Jay Ajayi heads to the Eagles. Not often you see a premier fantasy player move in a NFL trade, but that's what happened. Ajayi moves on to the Eagles. Look, Blunt has been ineffective, as we have talked about several times. That's why Wendell Smallwood was getting so much run. That's why they've been avoiding giving him the ball, because Blunt has not been good with it. And Albert Breer reporting on Twitter that that's basically why they went out and made this move because they were not happy with the inefficiency from LeGarrette Blunt. According to Pro Football Focus, 
He has graded out as the number 41 running back so far this year out of 52 eligible running backs for the season. Ajayi graded out as 19th in efficiency despite the fact that he is in the top five of least yards before contact, which means his O-line is so bad he's getting pummeled in the backfield before he can even start running, and he has still been a productive RB2. He has not found the end zone because he has had the least amount of red zone carries in the league. He's only got one carry inside the five-yard line, and no team has rushed in the red zone fewer times than the Miami Dolphins. Meanwhile, 12 rush attempts inside the 20 for the Eagles, and yet only one rushing touchdown for LeGarrette Blunt. That's uh, part of the inefficiency we've been talking about. That's kind of what he's here for, is to get in the end zone when you're there close. He hasn't been able to get the job done. So, I mean, Ajayi's O-line gets better going to Philadelphia. His overall offense gets better. They've been up in a lot of games. They run the ball just as much as any team, if not more than any team in the league. You go from a team that hates running the football to a team that loves to run the football and is constantly protecting leads late in games. I mean, even with a cut-in-half workload, even with reduced volume, he still has potential now to go back to his stud status from before. The only issue would be, do you buy into LeGarrette Blunt as a football player? And I no. still don't. I mean, how could you? And every time, as we, as I joke about this every time. Every time he leaves the New England area, he magically gains 30 pounds and forgets how to play football. And then he goes back and he becomes relevant again. So, I mean, and even they don't want him anymore. So it's just, it just is what it is. I mean, and then I'm more worried about, frankly, Wendell Smallwood. (laughs) Yeah, his... His role now becomes strictly the pass-catching running back, the third down back in that offense. And if Ajayi can prove to be a legitimate pass-catcher, which he has been on and off, his hands have been inconsistent. So if he can prove to catch the ball, then that kind of eliminates Smallwood's use altogether. But otherwise, he's still the pass-catcher in that Darren Sproles role, which we know has value. I think that... For at least a little while, Ajayi and Blunt kind of cut into each other a little bit, but if Ajayi just completely surpasses him through the bye week, which, by the way, this week they play Denver, which is not a great matchup. Next week they're on the bye, but then it lightens up for him. Coming out of the bye, I fully expect Ajayi to be the number one, and if he just kind of comes out and has a huge game, looks really good, would not shock me if Blunt is no longer with the team after that point. Yeah, because are you going to carry three running backs like that, or are they just going to bury him on the depth chart. I mean, he doesn't play special teams, right. so what good is he Exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kelvin Benjamin gets traded to the Bills, another wide receiver. I mean, wide receiver we hate, Kelvin Benjamin. He has been way overhyped. Everybody loving the Kelvin Benjamin for no reason. I have never understood that, neither of you. No, so we, I've been very vocal about been on Kelvin Benjamin is not good at football. Also, he's fat. Yeah. Also, the only play he knows how to run is the run 10 yards straight down the field and be tall play. That's it. So who cares? And maybe it's a small upgrade due to volume. (laughs) Right. So uh, when I was going through talking to everybody on the Fantasy Life app yesterday, I said it was a neutral move. Everybody wanted to know stock up, stock down. And uh, I basically said neutral. Yeah. Uh, It's it's the same thing. You're going from one team 
that is a run-heavy offense relying on defense to another team that is run-heavy offense relying on defense. That's it. Yep. His, I mean, his city and jersey changed, but otherwise it's the exact same situation he was in before. He's going to have to learn so, the playbook now. I mean, yeah. It's And now they can actually run the offense they wanted to, by the way, because now Jordan Matthews can go into the slot and Zay Jones is not the number one wide receiver, right, which true. is an upgrade for Zay Jones because you look at what Devin Funches has been able Jordan to do. Matthews, yeah, I mean, you look at what Funches has been able to do on the other side of Benjamin uh, for the Panthers, which hasn't been great, but it's been at least flex-worthy for Funches this year. Mm-hmm. And now that could be, you know, Jones where he's been basically just waiver wire fodder because yeah. he's been pretty trash. But again, too many drops. It, it relieves the pressure off of him, so he's no longer the clear top target, so he doesn't have to get the number one cube or a cornerback matchup, but he's still top of the league, or near the top at least, in drop rate. So again, if you're trying to rely on Zay Jones, I would just pump the brakes a little bit, proceed with caution. But speaking of Funches, I mean, the overhype on Funches... Of all the trades and everything that happened uh, over the last couple of days, the biggest overreaction I've seen is people going out and saying, oh, my God, Devin Funches is a wide receiver one. And he just became the <laughs> biggest pickup. He is a waiver wire stud. you got to go get Funches. I am spending everything I can to trade for Funches. Okay. Hold on. Just, right. When you go wow. out there and look at the numbers, Devin Funches already led the team in targets and receptions. Since Greg Olson's injury, he was already getting the ball a ton. He was already the biggest threat in that offense because Kelvin Benjamin was getting the number one coverage on the other side. It was leaving Funches open. It was giving him opportunities. And now he's going to be the one getting that Kelvin Benjamin treatment. If anything, his numbers should plummet, not go up. So there is no universe where I think this helps him or somehow becomes better for him. And again, people kept telling me all day, like, oh, he was a rookie. You can't make that comparison, but I'm still making it. 2015, two years ago when he was a rookie, remember Kelvin Benjamin got injured in the preseason. And Devin Funches was the only guy left. Remember, that was the year with Philly Brown. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. And nobody else was on that roster. Devin Funches was the number one wideout on that team, and he finished as wide receiver 30. Because he couldn't handle the pressure of the number one. And everybody's saying that, oh, well, you can't say that because he was a rookie and it was different and blah, blah, blah. You're right. It is different. Now they have Christian McCaffrey. Now they have other options on that offense to get the ball to. Yeah, and they run the ball more than they ever have before. So you can't sit here and tell me that, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Well, it does. We've seen this before. We've seen Devin Funches have the keys and not be able to do anything with it. And even if you want to tell me he's a significantly better player now, that's fine. But I still don't believe that now he's going to be getting the number one coverage, and he's literally, with Greg Olson out, until Olson comes back in about three weeks, we're only going to see one passing option in that offense, and his name is Devin Funches. So you're going to put three guys on Funches (laughs) and say, good luck, kid. So if you want to bank all your fantasy hopes and dreams in that, I say good luck to you, and everybody that has been coming to me asking about it on the Fantasy Life app, you already know my advice has been sell, sell, sell. Anyone that wants to buy that bag of magic beans, they can go ahead and have it. 
But if you want to go ahead and risk on uh, Funches, you're on an island on your own there. Yeah, no, that's not something I'd be interested in at all. I mean, you want to talk about also people with injury issues of their own and drop rate issues of their own. I mean, so does it do anything for you, Curtis Samuel? Maybe. I do like Curtis Samuel's value. His physical build, his body type isn't the same. Killed is my problem with him. He's already always hurt, and I think he's going to get killed at the NFL level because he's not big enough. I kind of feel like the passing situations with the trade, it kind of flip-flopped for Buffalo and Carolina, if that makes sense, if you get if you get what I'm saying. Well, in the where, sense that now Buffalo has three legitimate wide receivers, and right, where Carolina before, has... you couldn't really rely on Matthews, because the number one wide receiver was Zay Jones, who didn't really know what he was doing, and you couldn't rely on, so you could kind of just go man-to-man on each of them and be all right with it. Yeah. Whereas now, they gave Kelvin Benjamin to Buffalo, so now you have to focus on Benjamin. That opens up Jones. When you start to focus on Jones and Benjamin on the outside, that leaves Matthews, and then when he comes back, Charles Clay, Charles Clay, say, Charles Clay is the, the one middle who limits of the all of their upside, by the way. So, I mean, it gives Tyrod a ton of options. I think this is great for Tyrod Taylor's value. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, this, this will help it, Tyrod Taylor, and it even helps Charles Clay, by the way, when he comes back. Because right. now they can't just and it, solo cover Charles I would Clay. say it helps McCoy, but how much higher could his value really go? <laughs> Not much. You know what I mean? It's pretty much so, sky high. Yeah, but like I said, I feel like it flip-flops because now when you're looking at Carolina, you've got the unreliable, unproven guy the on the eyes. outside the funch in, in Funches. You have who knows on the other side of that at the other outside receiver. And then you got Curtis Samuel coming out of the slot who you can kind of just man-to-man on each of those guys and be fine with it with a safety over the top because there's no other real threat out there i feel like their passing game is now going to look like buffalo's has for the first half of this year which has not been great yeah their other wide receiver by the way is going to be russell shepherd good luck with that yeah so just just so just so you're aware that's that's who they have left so it's going to be the franchise russell shepherd and curtis samuel coming out of the slot at you do they even cover russell shepherd I mean, technically, they would have to. I suppose for formation, shadow it, for yeah. formation purposes. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. You would have. Someone's going to gonna have to be on the side, that side of the field just for uh, okay for well, lining up. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's that is not an upgrade. <laughs> yeah. No. Definitely. Not. I don't think it affects Cam really because he's like all tied said, up in he, rushing. Like, like if you were yeah, counting on him, his whole value is his legs and running into the end zone every once in a while. I don't think it affects the running backs because they get the ball a ton anyway. So that's not changing. It yeah. just might change whose name they're calling right. when they get the ball to run it. It's going to be McCaffrey and somebody. Right. Meanwhile, all right. Hashtag bye week issues this week. Neil was able to fill in for me on the waiver wire column. So. We will uh, we'll keep mixing that up a little bit. I like doing that. So, Neil, on the bye week issues this week, Neil, what do you got? Yep, real simple, real short and sweet. Quarterback, we're going back to the well on the fight in Jared Goffs. Ooh. Go get you some Jared Goff. Goff. He's still out there at 26.7%, which is just That's entirely insanity. too low. So we have him in there for stream, season-long and streaming purposes this week, which is pretty entertaining. Right. But they're playing the Giants, and the Giants are just depleted. So... Not a whole lot of options this week. I say go get Goff because you can probably get him for a dollar or even a later value waiver type deal. Running back. Yeah, I don't know what he's got to do to to prove to people that he's ownable. I don't know either. He put up a forty. Just that might oh, do it. Yeah, but, seriously. I mean, 
That's coming. Ridiculous. That's on its way. We'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, at running back, we got actually a nice sampler platter for you this week with all the uh, <laughs> the crazy the crazy moves that went on at the trade deadline. Which this is like this happens like every five years. This is is a blue moon type deal. So this week we've got Alfred Morris and Darren McFadden because we kind of already touched on this earlier. They're both out there. They're both at about thirty five to thirty percent. Uh, mm-hmm. And this week, probably Morris. But honestly, we both like McFadden for the season. So we've kind of given that advice. Do with it what you will, folks. And with those guys, again, too, uh, just long-term, because I forgot to mention it earlier, the six weeks that Zeke is out, this week Kansas City, the next week at Atlanta, home against Philly, home against the Chargers, home against Washington, and then at the Giants. Their schedule gets significantly harder the second half of the year than it was the first half. So... Even with, I mean, Zeke, he was going to have a down second half of the season anyway. But now that you've already downgraded to McFadden or Morris or a combo of the two, like like I said, just temper expectations. You're looking at an RB2 ceiling with these guys either way you go. But you'll yeah, notice I this didn't week, write Rod Smith anywhere on here. Stop asking me about Rod Smith. If one more person <laughs> asks me about that, I'm going to scream at you. No, stop it. I have better alternatives than that. Thank you. I like Rod Smith as a stash. As a stash, fine, but this is for bye week sure. issues. Not as a starter. This is yeah. for bye week issues. issues. We're talking about stashes. Yeah. It's a whole different column I'm going to write for you. Because yes. all I'm going to do is talk about Matt Breida. It's going to be a <laughs> poem to Matt Breida and to get people to own him. All right? And we'll digress from there. So for streamers, again, next up on the list we have Alex Collins. And <laughs> I know. Stop. Just stop. I know I know, I know. know that, that we've all heard that before. No one's happy about it. It's just where running back is right know. now. Everybody's happy about it. Everybody's jacked about Alex Collins. <laughs> it's like I'm the only one football. that's not getting it. It's like, I don't I, want, I, he was what? cast off by the Seahawks. He's looked good for the Ravens. I'll give him his due. He's yeah. leading them. In, he's, look, he's averaging six yards a carry, which is the highest in the NFL. That's what people, I'm sure, are biting him. Really limited sample size, though, that we're looking at with that. He barely qualifies for that stat to even get out. So there's that. However, he does have a penchant for the 20-yard play. He's got five of them, despite having a very small amount of the total carries for that team, because it was all Terrence Westy and blah, blah, blah. So now, they're pretty much just Yeah, gonna... look, when Terrence West went down, I was the one saying I would rather have Collins than Buck Allen long-term, because I knew he was going to get the keys and get the majority of the carries, which is fine, because that's what he's done. But, I mean, since then, it's not like he's set the world on fire. Not a lot of sixes. I, he had... <laughs> I, I just the inconsist. It's not even. I don't even want to say inconsistency. He's just been consistently mediocre. Yeah. I think that's the better way. But unfortunately, that's, that's where running back that. is right now. With all buys and everything else, it's you might end up in a situation where Alex Collins against Tennessee looks like a good idea. They have a pretty good run defense, but he played so well last week. They're pretty much coming out and saying he's going to be a bigger part of their game plan. If you don't have to spend a psychotic amount of money or a huge waiver claim on it. And you need a running back. It's you could do way worse. Yeah, I mean, again, since the uh, injury to Terrence West, eight, six, five, seven, three, and then an eighteen. And the reason he had an eighteen was because that was the Thursday game when Baltimore went up huge because of defensive plays, and they were just literally running the ball the second half because there was no Joe Flacco. 
So they literally did nothing but run the ball in the second half, and he was the one getting the ball the whole time. Yeah, the game they so if you're starting Alex Collins because you're desperate, that's totally fine. I get that. But if you're expecting anything more than a six, you're probably playing the wrong guy. That's exactly my point, is that Alex Collins is a decent idea for this week because it's just depleted. And if you get yeah. anything out of him moving forward, great. But if you're counting on it and spending a lot of your fab, you you are probably in a bad way. Can I interest you in Matt Breida? <laughs> if you don't need someone for this week, Matt Matt Breida, because Carlos Hyde is not long for that job. No. And the final ads on here are the other beneficiaries, the unsung beneficiaries of the JHI trade, namely Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams, because somebody's got to play running back for the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, it just depends on where you are. They seem to think Kenyon Drake's going to be the guy, but Kenyon Drake is going to get the ball to run the ball. He's going to be the traditional running right. back between the tackles. For PPR, Damian Williams is the one that I almost might lean to because I don't know if you've seen the Dolphins recently, but they're not going to be blowing people out in a lot of games. They might be down in some of these games too. Give me the guy that might be catching all the dump-off passes because I think there might be quite a few coming Damian Williams' way. So of the two, I slightly ticked Damian Williams because it's PPR-focused. If we were playing a non-PPR, though, I'm probably looking at Kenyon Drake a little bit more. However, again... If you're spending a lot of money on these guys and you're expecting more than, like, I'm going to call it a nine in PPR scoring from either one of them, you may need to level set your expectation. It's just running back. Yeah, either one it's is a mess. flyer. It's just, uh, yeah, like he's a dumpster fire there. Damian Williams has already been the pass catcher and Ajayi getting all the run, and they're kind of assuming that Drake takes over the Ajayi role. I assume that also to be true, but again, when you look at what Ajayi's done, it hasn't been spectacular. It's been decent RB2, maybe low-end RB2 flex, depending on the size of your league. But I don't think he'll get that much run. I kind of think Damian Williams will get another opportunity to run the ball more than he has, not just be the pass catcher. So because of that, I am with you. I would lean Williams just because of his pass catchability in PPR. So transitioning now, wide receiver, real quick. These are some quick hitters. Marquise Goodwin, I know. He had a zero last week, and we recommended him. So we're going back to the well here, but it's mostly because this week they're playing the Cardinals. There it is, the age-old rule. Real Anyone simple, that folks. is on the Cardinals against the Cardinals is not against Patrick Peterson. Doesn't take a genius. And as we're going to talk about, he might just be running free down the sideline. <laughs> really only takes one. And this is C.J. Beathard territory here still, so they're not going to change anything up. I'm expecting them to probably need to take some deep shots in that game, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild it's gonna be a wild game. And the other one is Robbie Anderson, which no one wants. Robbie Anderson, he is the redheaded stepchild of fantasy wide receiver because he's Deshaun Jackson esque. He's Deshaun Jackson light. Yep. Just however, three weeks in a row, double digits. He's learning how to catch the ball. You know that critical part where when they throw it to you, you catch it. He seems to be working that out. He seems to be getting a little bit more of the target share. And uh, if I needed a if I needed a deep flyer this week, if I needed somebody as, to play flex that you know could get me a thirty because I might not win that game anyway, I'll take a nice nice long look at Robbie Anderson. And uh, the Bills have been staunch on defense, but they actually do give up the tenth most points to wide receivers. So it's entirely possible if Robbie Anderson could just break free down the sideline one time for you, you'd get paid out at flex. And finally, tight end. Last chance on Jack Doyle, people. 
39%. No one thinks it's sexy. No one agrees with it. No one wants it. Doesn't really seem to matter. They're, they're out of options. They're going to they're gonna force feed him the football. 39%. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be on the column again. <laughs> Last chance. And for this week, Vernon Davis. What year is it, Steve? <laughs> 2008? I think I've gone back in time. I feel like I've gone back in time having to write about this. Vernon Davis. Jordan Reed's not going to play this week, and he's been serviceable. Every week, Jordan Reed doesn't play. The ageless one. Yeah, he's been serviceable even when Jordan Reed has played. So with, you know, Reed out, him getting the entire workload. Now, you don't like the matchup, obviously, with Seattle, but they've been weak against the tight end. So you got to... You can't ignore that stat, and they got to throw the ball to somebody because that's all they do is throw the ball. I was going to say, they're going to throw the ball. If you think they're not going to throw the ball, uh, (laughs) you haven't been watching them. So, yeah. So there it is. There it is, folks. Bi-week issues. The column is up on the website. And if you did not pick up Juju Smith-Schuster, run. Do not walk, but run to the waiver wire and pray that he is still out there. (laughs) Just pray. He's all by this week. Maybe get lucky. Get more out of your fantasy season with PFF's exclusive player grades and performance data. PFF grades every player from every game on every team. Dive deep into your fandom and follow your team on Pro Football Focus for exclusive team stats and NFL team rankings. Listeners to our podcast can get $10 off a PFF Edge or Elite subscription by simply going to importantnonsense.com slash PFF. Once again, that's importantnonsense.com slash PFF to save $10 on your subscription today. All right, pigskin pick them right now. The standings, Matt forgot to set a lineup again. Way to go, Matt. We appreciate it. Fifth place with 50. Kevin in fourth with 65. Brian with 66 and third. I still am in second with 69. Neil, first place with 74. Because of all the news earlier, we are just going to whip through these. So first and foremost, Thursday, the barn burner we all wanted. It's the Buffalo Bills taking on the New York Jets. Jets have played really good football at home this season, as we laid out last week. Division matchups can be unpredictable and closer than expected, but even still, the Bills' defense has carried them. Now they've bolstered their offense, weapons that we talked about earlier. They are a legit wild card contender in my eyes. I've got the Bills winning on the road. I also have the Bills on the road. I mean, the Jets are better than expected, but they turn the ball over on 12.2% of their drives. (laughs) And the Bills have the highest turnover differential in the league. So that right there should be all you need to know. It's Bills on the road. Uh Uh-oh, I don't like the sound of that. (laughs) Sunday, one Eastern games. Atlanta going to Carolina, another division matchup. A game both teams need to win to keep their playoff hopes really running and stay above 500. While the Panthers' offense can't seem to string anything together consistently, the Falcons have been a straight-up dumpster fire. With the Panthers' D clicking, I think that's bad news for Atlanta, and I'm going to take the Panthers at home. Yeah, and as we kind of talked about earlier, you know, with Carolina's struggles, if this game was played in Atlanta, I might pick them to grind one out. But in Carolina, I'm going to go ahead and take the Panthers. <laughs> They're, the Falcons' defense is just too poor, and especially against the run. And that's going to what that's that's all Carolina's going to do. So yeah. it gives me no confidence in the Falcons this week. Give me Carolina at home. Bengals going on the road to take on Jacksonville in that vaunted defense. The dominant Jags D is back, 
and they are going to eliminate A.J. Green from this game. If you are relying on A.J. Green, I am praying for you. I'll light a candle later. Tyler Croft is an interesting streamer, though, just because the Jags have struggled against the tight end this season. As we talked about earlier in the year when they played the Rams, the middle of the field can be vulnerable. Outside of that, it's just another ground-and-pound beatdown by this Jacksonville team. Yeah, A.J. Green is going to spend all day getting blanketed by Jalen Ramsey. So since he's going to have to find some other offense, and frankly, that's been a huge challenge for them this year. So if they can't do it, which I don't expect them to, just give me the Jags at home. Denver going to Philly to take on the Eagles. The no-fly zone still legit, as they showed. The run defense has also been dominant, number one rated in the league right now, but the offense has been brutal. We talked about earlier Osweiler taking over for Simeon. I mean, it's not a great improvement, if an improvement at all. So just give me the high-flying fills to eventually wear down that defense in the second half when they've been out there a majority of the game. Yeah, this one is going to be closer than people think it is because the Broncos' defense actually matches up very well with everyone on the Eagles' offense, even with the trades. They, they actually scheme very well against them. That is everybody that is not named Zach Ertz. So... With the change at QB, all the Broncos have to do is not turn the ball over three times a game, and that defense can take you a long way. But it's going to be the Eagles at home this week, just in a game that is going to be way tighter than I think people think it is. Baltimore going to Tennessee, this was a coin flip for me. So hard to pick. It could have gone one way or the other. I, just, I don't buy the Ravens' offense all of a sudden is a 40-point score every week. They're, just, they're not great. And I'm also not buying, though, that the Titans have somehow turned a corner on offense or, or the defense, for that matter. But just literally going Vegas style, give me the home field advantage coming off of the bye and the slight edge to Tennessee. Now, yeah, I'm also taking the Titans off the bye. I mean, it's the extra week to prepare. And then the news on Mariota saying that they're taking the running restrictions off him. They're saying he looks like he's 100 percent. And that, to me, gives them the slight edge. But that doesn't scare me off the Ravens' D for fantasy, though, just so you're aware. If you're playing the Ravens' D, just keep doing that. <laughs> Indy going to Houston to take on the Texans. So this, this is a joke, right? The, the only thing in this game that's going to stop the Texans from scoring is the clock. That's it. <laughs> so just take the over and take the Texans. This is where I call you the homer. And then also take the Texans. And then we move on. <laughs> Rams going to the Meadowlands to take on the Giants. The fighting golfs are back, baby, as we mentioned earlier. Both teams coming off the bye, so there's no real advantage one way or the other there. The uh, the only advantage in this game really is that the Rams are the better team. That's it. I mean, it's more practice time for the Giants wide receivers to try and get in rhythm with Eli, but I still don't like their chances of producing anything worthwhile. Yeah, just give me the Rams and another impressive showing. Yeah, I mean, the Giants' D is still good, but the Rams have been too productive this year just on offense to scare me away from it. So give me the Rams, even though it's on the road, and consider the Rams' D this week if they're still out there in your league because they're still 40% available, and they're coming off three back-to-back double-digit performances going into that bye. So they there might be some pay dirt there. Tampa Bay heading to New Orleans, my disappointing pick, Tampa Bay. The one thing I will say I got right, I, I had the Saints having a pretty good year, but they have expe- they have exceeded even my expectations from the preseason hype. I had them going 9-7 seven, and seven this year, and they're 5-2 and two 
at this point, leading the division. So, look, the Bucks have been one of the bigger disappointments to this point of the year. They're rapidly running out of time to figure things out, and I don't think they'll figure it out this week. Just give me the Peyton and Breeze last stand at home, New Orleans. Yeah, you know, the Saints have just been too good to ignore. I mean, the offense is great, you know, but that that's not surprising at all. The biggest surprise is the defense has been competent, and that's high praise given what we've seen out of them over the years. Conversely, Tampa Bay's defense is just going full dumpster fire. Just they don't know what they're doing. And couple that with Jameis being beat up, look for the Saints to just go ahead and notch another one at home. Sunday late afternoon, Arizona-San Francisco, tickle fight of the week. I don't have the drop on here for that anymore, but I mean I can get it back. I will have to because this is going to be pretty brutal. If you like bad football, this one's for you. Yeah, this is the with game that will be on the red zone all day because it will just be all <laughs> in the red zone constantly back yeah. and forth. With all the headlines about Jimmy G and the focus on 2018 for the Niners, people are overlooking the fact that Beathard's actually been competent for the 49ers and that Drew Stanton, yes, that Drew Stanton, is the guy back under center for a beyond beat-up Cardinals team. They are so bitten by the injury bug that in a hard-fought division match, I am giving the Niners their first win of the season at home, upset of the week. Yeah, that's a negatory there. <laughs> Give me the cards coming <laughs> off the bye. Look, Drew Stanton is not great, but he's been serviceable in the past. And the 49ers have been, say it with me now, horrendous. So, <laughs> horrendous. It always makes me nervous to roll with the public, but yet here I am, rolling with the public. I'm taking Arizona on the road, and I think that's our first split of the week. It is, yeah. And I knew I'd split that. It's just, like I said, division matchup. They've been all right. They're at home. They're not going to lose all Is their Is it going to shock me if San Francisco wins that game? Absolutely not. No. But yeah. also, that's where you got to start looking at the Cardinals and just wondering, like, well, what do you do now? You couldn't be <laughs> what, – what are you doing now? Like, what's the new – I don't know. It might just that that is where that team could go full quagmire if they lose right there. Washington going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Look, the Legion of Boom got lit up last week, but the Redskins don't have nearly the same offensive firepower the Texans do. The Seahawks also went out and added Dwayne Brown to make that offensive line slightly less vulnerable. So I'm going to take the Seahawks at home. Yeah, this one's the Seahawks at home. I mean, even if they have to throw it 40 times a game, because they really do seem to be abandoning their run game. We'll see if Dwayne Brown can can try and fix that, but I don't know how if Dwayne Brown can make Thomas Rolls not look done and Eddie Lacy not look slow and fat. Kansas City going to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. I have seen way too many people on Dallas here. Look, it's not the most popular pick, but this is the part of the year where Dallas starts to have their schedule turn for the worse. Not only are they going to be without Zeke for six weeks, as we have been saying several times now, but they had the easiest schedule in the league through the first eight weeks of the year, and they have one of the harder schedules over the last nine. Give me KC on the road. Yeah, this is KC all day long. I mean, I get that the you know the KCD has given up a lot of pass yards, but I think they've been bad. You haven't been watching the Cowboys D, so <laughs> look for that KC high school offense they love to run. But it's gonna work against Dallas. Sunday night football. We are treated to Oakland going to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Flex, what a great one this flex is! Flex it out for the love of <laughs> look, God. Look. Flex this. Both teams have clearly had their struggles. The Raiders cannot seem to find a groove, and the Dolphins are above 500 
if you can believe that or not, but they're also somehow in complete organization turmoil and rebuilding. So who the hell knows? The one thing I can tell you for sure about the Dolphins is that this is not what Jay Cutler signed up for. He is missing Fox more and more as the minutes pass. Just give me the struggling Raiders to figure things out on the road against the Dolphins. So it's Cutler with broken ribs, or it's Matt Moore again. That's not going to be pretty. (laughs) So I'm going to take Oakland on the road. And I just want to point out, too, that Miami is fool's gold. Miami is actually the best bad team in football. And they know that internally. They they have negative negative margins all across the board in just about everything they do, and yet they just somehow have a winning record. Yep. And what Adam Gase is saying is that he knows that they're not really a good football team right now. But he's furious about that, which is part of the reason why Jay Ajayi was traded. We've talked a lot, talked a lot about the Bill Garrett Blunt side of that equation with the Eagles. And really talk about why JHI got moved. Apparently, Adam Gase is not happy and believes that people on the team, certain people, have not been primed to their fullest potential and have not been studying their playbooks and have not been doing what he deems necessary to be completely prepared. And that is why JHI was traded because he was singled out in that. Yeah, and it was a message to the locker room. Yeah, that I don't know. Nobody that it matters, is safe. You have yeah. to watch the pool. So yeah, you have to do all your My point is, that's not something you do when you're confident as a football team. So that's why I'm saying Miami might be fool's gold right now. So it's Oakland this week, but keep your eye on Miami. That that has bad undertones. Detroit going to Green Bay for Monday Night Football. Normally, this is a great high scoring battle in the division, but not this time. I mean, even after the bye, I'll believe it when I see it from Brett Hundley. <laughs> the Lions want to keep pace. With the Vikings in the division, and so do the Packers, but it's less realistic for them without their Messiah. So the Lions in Lambeau. You know how I keep saying one of the rules of gambling is that you never bet on the Lions? Mm -hmm. And yet, here I am again, picking the Lions. (laughs) This has not worked out yet. So I will not be surprised at all when Brett Hundley throws for 450 passing yards and annihilates Detroit somehow, because science. But it's the Lions on the road. Somehow. I mean, look, I keep saying it every year, and it typically pans out. It's the the difference between the Green Bay Packers and any other mediocre football team is three Aaron Rodgers miracles a season to get them from eight and eight to eleven and five. Well, that's, that's how you've been keeping all those people employed yeah. for all those years. That's the, the, that's the difference. McCarthy it's the that. only difference yeah. between the the Green Bay Packers and any other mediocre, below average team is three Aaron Rodgers miracles a year. And if he's not going to be there to get you those miracles, you're an 8-8 eight and eight team at best. So good luck to you. How's that Martellus Bennett working out for you? <laughs> exactly. Enjoying that? Uh-huh. Looking good. How he came Mommy. out and said he was going to retire in eight more games. <laughs> yeah, that's always a good sign. Uh-huh. All right, well, that is it for the NFL this week. We are going to switch over quickly here to the Golden League update. Like I said, a ton to get to. Hopefully you stick with us. If not, like I said, add important nonsense on the Fantasy Life app. Best, easiest way to get a hold of us on Twitter, at nonsense underscore Steve, at nonsense underscore Neil. But now it's time for the Golden League update. And now for something completely different. It's time for the Golden League update. I love gold. On the Important Nonsense So once again, another standing shakeup has 10 teams at 500 or better. That is ridiculous. Most in a long, long time since that has happened. Matt, still the only team officially eliminated from the playoffs. 
He, of course, tied Eric's record for the worst start ever at 0-8. He will try to avoid being number one in history in that category this weekend. Lisa needs a win to stay alive as well this weekend. With everyone still alive, next week is the trade deadline, which buyers and sellers can be anyone's guess at this point because outside of Lisa, everyone will be in live. And if Lisa wins her game, then literally everyone but Matt will still be alive. So who knows what's going to happen with the trade market next weekend, if anything at all. That'll be that'll be a huge storyline for us to watch going into that. The trade deadline will hit as we're recording next week. So that could be a, a banana sandwich show for me to have to deal with. Yeah, it's going to be a great so. live show, basically, where we have to stop recording <laughs> yeah, it like three much. times to re-record it. Yeah. Uh, but as we continue to say, history has said 6-5 and five is good enough to make the postseason. Two weeks ago, we had five teams at 4-2, and two, looking like they were strong contenders to easily get to that six-win threshold and make the postseason. Since then, those teams have gone a combined 3-7. and seven. The four teams that were behind them, however, at 3-3 three and three have gone 6-2, and two, and the only two losses were against each other. When Sandman lost to me, and you unfortunately lost to Brian this past weekend, Superfan Brian stealing one in the end. So again, six and two, but the two losses were to Can't each other. Can't say what I want to say because it would just get cut out <laughs> of the three and three teams. Nobody of those original four and two teams is higher than five and three right now. You had three teams going one and one, and two teams winless since that point. So that brings us to the power rankings update for the week. The number one team stays the same. Flynn, such a dominant lead on there, despite yet another loss at 4 and 4 is still the number 1 team. Brian moves up two spots, however, taking over the number 2 slot. I moved up two spots as well, moving up to number 3. Paul drops two spots with his second consecutive loss to 4th. David's loss drops him down two slots to 5th. You remained at 6, while Tony moved up two to 7. Kevin up two spots again to eight. He seems to bounce back and forth between eight and ten on a week-in, week-out basis. Down two spots is Mr. Flynn to nine. Sandman down two spots to ten. Lisa and Matt continue to round it out. Playoff odds as we have just three weeks left in the year. Brian leading the league, 91.6% chance of making the playoffs. If the season were to end today, he would be the number one seed. I am next with 91.4% chance to make the playoffs. David Flynn at 84.6, Mr. Flynn at 78.2, Kevin at 69%, Paul at 62, Flynn at just 59. He is uh, seventh on that list. Chance to make the playoffs because of a harder schedule. You are at 35, basically. Tony at 14.5, Sandman at 11, Lisa at 2.5, and, and of course, Matt, the only team currently eliminated our game of the week this week as i mentioned we have a few games that could have been game of the week i mean i'm playing there's three yeah uh in that matchup again if the season were to end today uh, i'm the number two seed mr flynn would be the three so i mean it'd be you know two of the top three teams going at it there and then you of course taking on kevin in a matchup that matters not only for a win but also the potential tiebreaker if you guys can finish the same, you know, the heads-up tiebreaker, looks less and less likely that a heads-up tiebreaker will decide this. It's going to come down to points scored, really. 
but uh, every win matters. So you versus Kevin is a big one. But the match I have circled here for our game of the week is number four, Paul, taking on number seven, Tony. It's a critical game, really, for both teams. It's a four and four for each of them. Paul has you know, got his first real losing skid here, losing two games in a row. Tony, meanwhile, is on the uptick. He's won two games in a row here to get to four and four and keep his playoff hopes alive. Both really need this victory to keep thinking about the playoffs. Matchups can be kind of an issue here. Uh, Tony's got Dak Prescott going up against KC. He's running DeMarco Murray against Baltimore. Aaron Jones, who seems to have somehow taken over that number one spot against Detroit. Dez, again, paired up with Dak against KC. Marvin Jones against Green Bay in that same game. He's relying a lot on Monday night. ASJ taking on Buffalo. CJ Anderson against Philly. The Panthers D against Atlanta. And then Matt Prater, again, Monday night football. Matt Prater's good for a 20, though, (laughs) as we know. As for Paul on the other side, Cam Newton against Atlanta. Todd Gurley going up against the Giants. Lamar Miller, who is questionable and did not really practice today, so keep an eye on that, uh, going up against the Colts. Demarius Thomas against Philly, again, the Brock Lobster. Jarvis Landry against Oakland in that Sunday night game. Zach Ertz against Denver. Chris Thompson going up against Seattle, which is kind of a scary matchup. The Saints D against Tampa. And then Matt Bryant against Carolina projections have Paul winning the game matchups I think would favor Tony though a little bit. yeah this is one of the ones where I was looking at this and kind of muttering to myself man you really love Paul's team here you mm-hmm. know Mike Clay guy who writes the projections for ESPN <laughs> file all your yeah. hate mail by the way on your ESPN team to at Mike Always. Clay just go ahead and send the hate mail there because he's the guy who writes the projections yeah I mean Paul's got some issues if Lamar Miller's not playing in that game you need to figure that out but he has not listened to our advice and roster Dante Foreman, which is what which is what you would do here, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's what you would do. But if he's not going to do that, then basically he's going to just bump Chris Thompson up, and then I guess you're going with former Bolitnikoff winner Marquise Lee. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Tyler Croft is interesting just because yeah, you get a roll the double tight end stack if you want it. Sure, it's just he has Brandon Cooks on by. Otherwise, this would be easy. But right, you know, he's got Paul. He also Richardson. went out and picked up yeah. Paul Richardson on waivers. So maybe you so. maybe you do that, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a downgrade. So, and if I was him, again, I would probably go out and roster Tonta Foreman. Yeah. Uh, might do that. It's one of those things where Tony's team is so maddening. Because what are you going to yeah. get out of DeMarco Murray? Yep. Is he going to get you that 13 that they've got him on there for? Which is a guess, by the way, that no one knows. Because he's either going to, he could get you a 30 <laughs> or he could get you a 4. Yeah. And then it could just be that they don't run the ball at all in that game, because I've seen them do that a couple times this year, where they just abandon the run game and figure it out as they go. And then I hate the C.J. Anderson matchup against Philly. Yeah, it's not great. It, it's, the, it's not the worst matchup he has, though. No, it isn't, but it's 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 the issue of C.J. Anderson not getting necessarily all the work, potentially, if they try and mix in some Booker. Yeah, whole, and that and that whole situation has become again, right? tricky now, and... Uh, no, it's not the worst matchup he has, but it's not one that I would be potentially looking forward to. <laughs> I think what's going to swing this matchup for him is the Panthers' D. It's He's either going to get a two because Atlanta comes up and that game turns into a, a shootout somehow, or he's going to get a 25 because Matt Ryan just keeps throwing it to the wrong team and they're returning it for touchdowns. 
It's. I think there's kind of no in between. My money's no on the middle ground. My money's on the second one. Yeah, me too. Given what I've so seen so far, so that's why I think that's so. going to swing this game. It's going to either be the, that the Panthers D wins him the week, or not necessarily loses him the week. It just kind of, you know, Atlanta shows up and it's a low day for the Panthers, and because of that, he doesn't get enough points total to uh, to actually come out and, yeah. and win it. And then Matt Prater puts up a twenty. Right. Exactly. Because we know that's going to happen. So yeah, that's what he does. Yeah. I mean, with, and with Paul's team, it's like he has some excellent players and what are not, you know. Yeah, he's got great work. players, just bad matchups. Yeah. So. They say Zach Ertz against Denver is not a great matchup, and I would disagree. <laughs> but <laughs> I would disagree with that. But uh, yeah, he's got a couple though that do or you're kind of like, oh, that's not ideal. So it it really does, and it's also the Cam Newton thing. I expect him to play, but I have such a hard time with him. Like, where's he at mentally? Yeah. They traded Kelvin Benjamin guessing they didn't consult with him on that (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's already said he didn't understand that but it is what it is i mean he's had a groove with funches and now it's just you i mean yeah does ed dixon interest him more somebody has to pick up you know it it wasn't like benjamin was getting no targets Mm -hmm, it wasn't like he was getting a ton but he he was getting some red zone targets which is what is most valuable for us so who gets that and then are they going to try and get Christian McCaffrey even more involved in the offense? I don't I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't think anyone does. Maybe the Panthers do, yeah. but yeah, it's a wait and see thing and you're kind of having to rely on it this week cuz his only other guy is Trevor Simeon, so that obviously won't work. Yeah, which I, you know, so, probably feel free to cut that is. too. But yeah, that like I said, that's going to have the biggest ramifications just because both teams 4 and 4 the winner gets to five and four, basically moves into the playoff picture, while the other at four and five is really having an uphill battle the last two weeks, and could potentially get lumped into that seller type category. So, well, like a, the trade deadline is going to be so weird. There's a this very year. real chance that this could be the year, depending on how the trade deadline goes, that somebody wins six games and doesn't get to go to the playoffs. Right. This could be the year that it finally happens. We've been waiting for it, potentially, because it's entirely possible that two teams, and I'm referring to you and Brian, could finish the season at 8-3, and three, given your schedules. Because your only game that looks like it's going to be problematic on your schedule without trying to predict the future is the one you have this week where Mr. Flynn has kind of a conundrum at running back to work, to work himself out. So well, I got that one because of I have a Jai this week who we don't even know if he's going to play or not right right he may not even be active and then i have to try to figure something else out at that second running back and then next week ajayi's on the bye and tyree kills on the bye and i'm playing tony right. so tony's potentially fighting for a playoff spot and i'm going to have two of my starters out of that game which i wasn't expecting to have an issue with that but now <laughs> with the constant Injuries for Devonte Parker. I don't know if he'll even be available to me. And now a bye week. I wasn't expecting for a Jai. Right. Kind of throws a wrench into that. Yeah. So it makes it trickier though. But there's there there was when I was running this yesterday before some of this all kind of came down. It was possible the two of you were going to be eight and three, and then two other teams could have seven wins, and then it's possible that three teams beyond that could all go six and five meaning that somebody gets left in the cold yeah when i ran it through like i said i do the simulation for the playoff odds it's going to be i I, the most frequent occurrence that happened uh was there was five teams that actually finished at seven and uh, one team that finished eight and three and that was david because of his schedule the rest of the way 
and then four teams at seven and four, and three teams at six and five, with two getting uh, left out. So that that's the one that occurred the most. But again, it's all based on Matt going winless, uh, Tony and Lisa struggling, Sandman struggling, and they've been you know producing. They've been putting up points and giving people fights. You can't just write them off. So. Exactly. Especially if we're in it where everybody's still close and nobody makes any moves. Typically at this point in the year we're saying, well, by that time that team will have nobody on it. Three teams if, usually by now have bit the dust. Yeah, if everybody's still alive, then, like I said, the trade deadline could be interesting because nothing may happen because nobody wants to buy or sell because they all still have a chance to be in it. That's why this year is the most competitive year that we may have ever had. Yeah, I mean, perhaps it, ever. It's so. it's real tough this year because normally, like you're saying, by now we would kind of know. Like we would know, like okay, there's like eight teams, seven teams that realistically, this is your playoff picture, and people are battling for like the last playoff spot. And now it's like okay, well, <laughs> literally anything is possible. All right, well that's it for this week. Like I said, we have a big show next week as well, getting into the trade deadline for the Golden League. Have a lot to recap from this past week, so oh, one, I mean, one we got two more weeks of buys, Neil. We yep. got to get through the bye week issues two more times. Hopefully, no injuries this weekend, and we'll see what these uh, these new players or old players and new teams <laughs> look like yeah. this week. Get hopefully a clear picture of that. Good luck with the no injuries thing, because that yeah, exactly. doesn't seem like it's gonna happen. That's the storyline every week. So. so yeah, well, it's, I've just gotten to the point where this season where it's like, well, we're just gonna wait and see who bites the dust this week. All right, so again, at Important Nonsense on the Fantasy Life app, at Nonsense underscore Steve, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Till next week, everybody, just keep up the nonsense. Music for the Important Nonsense podcast is provided by Lee Rosebeer, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on ImportantNonsense.com.